You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. We're going to take one almond, see how much it weighs. Okay. I'm not happy with the size of this almond because it's touching the edges of the capsule. So I'm going to take a smaller piece. One smaller. I'm standing in a government laboratory in Beltsville, Maryland, with Teresa Henderson, a scientist with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. She's sizing up a Ziploc bag of almonds that I brought here with me as a snack. I've just asked her if we could do a little experiment to figure out how many calories are in my almonds. There's a half one, but that might be too small. I can cut it. Calories are everywhere. They're listed on the packaging of your favorite junk food and on the menus at chain restaurants. Apps like MyFitnessPal and Noom exist mainly to track exactly how many calories you eat each day. They're numbers that a lot of us spend a lot of time considering. I know I do. A banana has about 100 calories. A slice of bacon has 43, if you can eat just one. These numbers are treated like gospel. But have you ever stopped to think, where do they come from? Figuring that out is what brought me here, to this USDA lab. This was the start of a journey into the world of diets, where I quickly learned that a lot of the things we think of as fact are a lot more complicated, including the calorie. But first, back to our little science experiment with Teresa. She's about to explode my almond, literally, to figure out how many calories are in it. Teresa is chopping up my almond to prepare it for a machine called a bomb calorimeter. It's this big, boxy, gray thing, about the size of a printer. I put my two-thirds of an almond in there, and it weighs 0.7870. Teresa puts the almond in a small, shallow tray called a combustion capsule. The tray gets connected to a fuse wire, 
and the whole thing is lowered into a metal container inside the machine. This is the bomb part of bomb calorimeter. The bomb is surrounded by water. The water is going to heat up. And however hot it gets will tell us how many calories my almond has. And now it's starting. So it's equilibrating and going through its process. For a few minutes, it's quiet. All I can hear is a low hum. The beeping means an electric current is going to pass through the fuse wire and explode my snack. You might expect blowing up an almond to make a big bang noise or something, but it actually doesn't. So our almond's gone. It should be. (laughs) We'll find out. If it worked correctly, the almond would be gone. Ah, temperature's going up. That's a good sign. But what does blowing up my almond have to do with calories? So it's just basically, if you throw a log of wood on a fire, it's going to burn and give off heat, right? It's the same concept. You're throwing, you know, a measured amount of food or whatever and burning it, and it's going to give off heat. And you're measuring the amount of of fuel energy in that food. Bomb Calorimeter prints out a little white paper that looks like a receipt. Teresa tears it off and reads the result. My single almond contains about seven calories. She opens up the machine. There's nothing left but a few black smudges. You can see that almond burnt very nicely. My snack is gone. But don't write that number in your food log just yet. Calories are way more complicated than our little experiment might suggest. I'm going to get into that soon. First, let's start with a more basic question. What is a calorie anyway? And where do the calorie counts on foods come from? What's a calorie? A calorie is something that makes your belly fat. How they figure it out? I don't know. You just read the can. And that's how much calories is in a food. I have no clue. I used to think that there was a method where they... I I don't. I don't know. No, I could only guess. (laughs) Calories represent how much energy there is in food. Energy your body then uses to do all the things it does in a day. I think of it like fuel in a car's gas tank. Calories power your walk to the office and cooking dinner when you get home. Even reading your kids a bedtime story. Wow, the only thing I like, I'll ask, I'll Google it. How many calories is in one egg? (laughs) How many calories is in... One slice of turkey bacon. These are the voices of some nice strangers who we interviewed while they were shopping at a Whole Foods in Brooklyn. And they're a pretty good representation of, well, all of us. Everyone's at least heard of a calorie. And for many of us, they actually play a pretty big role in our decisions about food. Calories have this incredible power over us. We're obsessed with calories because we're obsessed with being thin. But most of us have no idea what a calorie really is. 
or how they're calculated. And here's the thing. People like to say a calorie is a calorie, but the calorie isn't actually that straightforward. The number of calories in a food can change depending on how we prepare it and who's eating it. Calorie counts on foods can even sometimes be wrong, like our almond from earlier. Scientists are still, to this day, figuring out the best way to measure how much energy the food that we eat has. It's not just calories. Calories are the start of everything we still don't know about gaining and losing weight. And what weight has to do with being healthy anyway? But that hasn't stopped people from telling you exactly how to finally drop that last 10 pounds. Or bragging that they still fit into their high school genes. Or doctors from telling you to lose weight. It also hasn't stopped people from making tons of money off of totally unscientific advice. I'm Emma Court, a healthcare reporter for Bloomberg News. This is Losing It, a podcast from Prognosis. We've been trained to think of dieting as a weight loss solution. But a lot of the science actually suggests the opposite. Dieting may work in the beginning to bring that number down on the scale. But as the weeks and months turn into years, the reality is that people usually don't keep the weight off. This series is about how and why we've been going about weight loss all wrong, and whether we should even be trying to lose weight in the first place. I'm also going to look for a better solution for us a way out of this whole mess. But first, let's talk some more about the humble calorie. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's go back in time to when the calorie as we know it was born. 
Calories got popularized in the late 19th century by a guy named Wilbur Olin Atwater. Wilbur was a chemistry professor at Wesleyan University, who also worked for the USDA. He's actually considered the father of nutritional science in the U.S. Years earlier, European scientists had come up with the idea of using calories to measure energy. Remember, calories are a unit of energy. Scientists began using them to talk about heat-powering machines, like steam engines. Later, they started measuring calories in food. Wilbur was drawn to this new way of thinking and got really serious about figuring out how much energy was in different foods. Wilbur was also worried about people overeating. He wanted to know how much food people really needed. The calorie looked like a great way to do just that. So he tries to get the word out. He also came up with a formula for calculating the caloric value of food based on how much of it is fat, protein, and carbohydrates. That's actually how most calorie counts on foods get calculated today. The bomb calorimeter we used earlier to blow up my almond is a more old-school method. The calorie is an attractive measure because it is a simplified number in in which you can sort of put in front of an item of food. This is Giles Yeo, a scientist with the University of Cambridge. And people think the higher the number, the worse the food. In very, put simplistically, in the environment, the lower number, the better the food, healthier it is for you. But that is not true. Giles is not a fan of the calorie. He actually wrote a book with a pretty blunt title, why calories don't count. And about a decade ago, scientists at the USDA also start asking big, fundamental questions about calories. Their names were David Baer and Janet Novotny. And they became interested in nuts specifically. Yes, we're going to talk more about nuts in this episode. Anyway... They noticed that in some studies where people were fed nuts, their bodies weren't fully breaking the nuts down. That's the politest way of putting it. What we started to think about was if the fat isn't being completely digested. This is David. And it's coming out in in the waste, in the feces, then the calories from the fat aren't being completely absorbed as well. And it made us wonder whether we were getting accurate calorie values for tree nuts. So David and Janet put this theory to the test. They did a series of studies looking at almonds, pistachios, cashews, and walnuts. And it turned out their hunch was right. The typical calorie counts, the numbers listed on labels at food stores, were too high for those nuts. The fat, the stuff that makes nuts so high calorie, wasn't being fully digested. The scientists were able to see this right in people's poop. And like David said, 
if people weren't digesting all that fat, they also weren't absorbing the calories from that fat. The nuts turned out to have anywhere between 5% and 25% fewer calories than their nutrition label said. And the nuts with the biggest difference? Almonds, like the one we blew up in the lab. Nuts, like all plant material, have a cell wall. And that's where we find the fiber. That's also resistant to digestion. We can ferment it and break it down. But plant cells are surrounded by the cell wall. And until you can open up that cell wall, you can't get to what's inside the plant cell. In the case of nuts, they're relatively high in fat. So there's a lot of energy stored within those cells. With whole nuts, that means unless you're a really thorough chewer, you're probably pooping a lot of fat out. And that means fewer calories. So in short, nutritional labels have been telling us for years that a bunch of different kinds of nuts are more caloric than they actually are. And that could be the case for other foods, too. We've been trained to take calorie counts on food incredibly seriously. We count our calories so we don't eat too many. We weigh food to make sure we're counting exactly how many calories we're eating. Or we buy prepackaged food because those numbers seem like they're more accurate. But as I dug into this, all of that, it started to seem like a giant waste of time and effort. Wilbur Olin Atwater intended calories to be a tool for making better decisions about how to fuel ourselves. Instead, we've wound up in this world where somehow 100 calories of nuts seems equivalent to a 100-calorie pack of chips. We're focusing on the number over the quality of food, and we're also focusing on the number way too much. We've taken it way too far. Somewhere along the way, calories went from a guide to navigating food to some sort of wholly infallible thing. And in the process, they've also kind of become misinformation. These issues with calories go way beyond nuts. Processing food, including by cooking it, also changes the amount of calories we get from it. Why? Well, for one, digestion is work. And how hard you are working affects the end calorie count of a food. Processing or cooking food makes for less work for your body. Is it a carrot? Is it a steak? Is it a donut? Then our body has to work to differing degrees, hard or not as hard, to extract the calories. And this costs energy. And so therefore, you have to take this into account when you're trying to count the calories within the food. It's, your body has to work a hell of a lot harder to pull out calories from a carrot than it needs to from a donut. The calories in a food can even depend on who is eating it. If you and I ate the same sandwich, 
we might get different amounts of energy from it. That has to do with how different bodies process food differently because of genetics and factors like the gut microbiome. So even though nutrition labels make it seem like calories are a fixed value, they actually aren't. Calorie counts on food are misleading at best. And food companies are playing their own games. Okay, so a serving is two cups, um, which is decent. It's, there's, se- there's seven, allegedly seven servings in this bag. 140 calories per serving and 70 for a cup. Okay, so is this food good or bad for you? I have no idea. That was me and the editor of this podcast, Kristen V. Brown. We're back at that Whole Foods in Brooklyn where we interviewed people about calories. We wanted to check out calorie counts in the wild to get a sense of how helpful this tool for evaluating food really is. One of the things we looked at was a bag of muesli. A quarter cup is 140 calories. You know, muesli. The breakfast cereal that's kind of like granola. So that's the same as our 13 potato chips. And our popcorn, right? Yeah. Why is 140 the magic number? Most foods we looked at were around 140 calories per serving. And 140 doesn't sound like that many calories. I feel like everything has had the same amount of calories. (laughs) See, also 160 calories. Is anything going to have a serving size with more than 200 calories? According to the Food and Drug Administration, a serving size isn't a recommendation. It's actually how much people usually eat or drink that product. So when you see 13 potato chips is a serving size... That's supposed to be how many potato chips people eat in a sitting. Potato chips. Yeah, right. And don't even get me started on how many servings are in a container. Often you buy something small that's obviously meant to be a single serving. And yet somehow the label claims it's two or three or even four servings. The more servings in a container, the fewer calories companies have to list on the label. And the better it looks when you compare it to another food. If you were just relying on calories, you would say, okay, I could have popcorn for breakfast or I could have muesli and it would be the same amount of calories. And so why should I choose the thing that seems kind of gross and healthy? Our field trip to Whole Foods left me wondering, are calories fundamentally broken? I'm pretty much leaning yes at this point. But many of the experts I spoke with said they're working to improve calorie counts, not get rid of them. Here's their argument. Sure, calories aren't perfect, but they're essentially accurate, if not precisely so. They give you a number you can compare with other foods, And that can help you decide whether to have, say, a pizza or a big salad for dinner. Here's Rachel Carmody, an assistant professor of human evolutionary biology at Harvard University. Saying, you know, these food labels have been horribly wrong and we're just going to now revamp them all, which could lead to a lot of confusion. So I think this has to be done responsibly. We're trying to make the tool more useful. 
The problem with this, though, is that we all know the salad is the healthier choice for dinner, not pizza, sadly. People still use calorie counts to make decisions about what they buy and what they eat. We want to believe the calorie is this highly accurate measure, down to a single calorie or two. Food labels lead us to believe the same. But calories really shouldn't be used like that. Calories give us the illusion of control over diet and weight. But it's just that, an illusion. Giles Yeo, the University of Cambridge researcher who is anti-calorie, says it would be better instead to communicate a few key measures of nutritional value. Specifically, the amount of fiber, protein, added sugar, and fat in the food. My argument is to move away from the calorie per se, but actually to consider the quality of the food. And I think that is far more important. Now, it happens to be related to the calorie, um, but the calorie is a blunt tool in terms of trying to measure the quality of of any given food you're trying to eat. When Giles talks about high-quality foods, he means those that have more protein and fiber like beans or chicken. Nuts count, too. His point is a good one. Calories can be deceptive. A can of Coca-Cola and a pint of strawberries both have similar numbers of calories, but they definitely do not have similar nutritional values. It's easy, though, to think that low calorie means healthy. We talk about weight loss in the same way, too. Like, anyone who goes on a diet and loses 15 pounds is going to be in better shape. But if I went on an all-Coca-Cola diet and lost weight, would I be healthier? That's why we shouldn't make weight loss equivalent with good health. Something we'll get into later in the series. We also now know that calorie counts on labels don't actually tell us how many calories a food has. Because how you prepare food and how you digest it and a lot of other things can change the number. And yet, calories are still being treated as the truth. They're on labels as fact, when they probably need at least an asterisk. Diets are being sold to people based on the science behind these numbers. That's a global industry worth $192 billion a year. And people are relying on calories, deciding whether they buy or eat a food because of them. They're meticulously counting them, measuring their foods to make sure that no calorie goes unaccounted for. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline, it's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The crucial moment for me was when, you know, we had a holiday event at work and I didn't like my photos. I didn't like it. And I was like, I really have to make a change for myself because I didn't like the way, you know, I look. This is Danny Cologne. She's talking about photos from a Christmas luncheon her company threw in 2006. I thought myself, you know, on the thicker side and, you know, I have my little double chin and I didn't like it. It was just like, I don't like seeing myself like that. I had never gotten to that, that point before. And that was a turning point for me. Danny says she first started battling the scale about 20 years ago after having her second child. She's now 43 and a mother of five. I was never a big girl, but I had gained a little bit and I was always trying to lose it. You know what I mean? And as when I had my third child, so that was a little bit, you know, then it just starts adding up and you're trying, but it's, you know, as, as the older you get, the harder it is. Plus I was a full-time employee, plus I was at home. I had to attend to the kids. And for me, the, the thought of even having to make two meals. As in a diet meal for herself and another meal for her family. It was very, very hard on me. So it was just something that was always on the back burner. At the time, Danny was working as a project coordinator in Tampa, Florida. She now lives in Puerto Rico. You want to get on this weight loss journey, but there's so much out there. I'm Hispanic. I need my carbs. <laughs> so it was very hard for me to be like, I can't just eat meat and vegetables. And it's hard to cut out a whole food group. So to take out that completely, yeah, that wasn't going to work for my household. <laughs> Danny tries out a couple of different programs. Some even helped her lose weight, but they all had some kind of downside. The costs in particular were an obstacle for her. One program cost $500 just to sign up. I mean, every time you go to a weight loss program, you're paying money. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm ready. Now I got the tools that I need and maybe I'll, I can do this on my own and I don't have to invest in that money. Dini knew from her previous experiences with weight loss programs that tracking the food she eats really helps. So she starts calorie counting with the help of some free online tools. There are all these random calculators out there that you can use to decide how many calories to eat based on how much weight you want to lose. Dini uses one and decides she needs to eat less than 1,400 calories a day. This time, 
The diet starts working almost immediately. She loses 12 pounds in 12 weeks. The program is simple. Eat less and move more. It's free. And Danny can see the results. I'm like more of a harder to lose weight. Maybe I have a slower metabolism. But once I started seeing that my clothes was, you know, fitting a little bit more loose and I started getting on the scale and the numbers were going little by little, I was like very, very motivated. And to think, oh my gosh, I'm being successful was just amazing. So it just makes you strive for more. Danny is currently allowing herself about 1,200 calories each day. That's pretty low. A woman her age really needs around 2,000 calories. But for what it's worth, government guidelines say most women can safely lose weight eating 1,200 to 1,500 calories a day. Danny uses this app called Lose It, which keeps track of her calorie budget. If she has a 100-calorie cup of plain Cheerios, then she has 1,100 left. Easy. She also likes the flexibility. The good thing about calorie counting is that you're not excluding any food groups at all. Like, let's say that Dani plans on having salmon and potatoes for lunch, but it doesn't end up happening. You just scan. You just put in your app, you know, hey, I had a slice of pizza, cheese, whatever, and that's it. Other diets are more rigid, in other words. That's the good thing about it. It's like people don't have to overstress on oh my God, I failed because I ate a slice of pizza. You can have your slice of pizza. Just, you know, that you ate this much amount of calories on that pizza, so have a smaller amount for your dinner. Dani loses weight calorie counting until she doesn't. It's hard to keep it up. Life happens. Her mom gets sick and Dani travels to see her in the hospital where she's stressed and sad, and there's a lot of fast food. One time I went to McDonald's thinking, okay, what's the healthiest thing on the menu? And I thought, oh, chicken nuggets. That's what I thought, chicken nuggets. Uh, chicken nuggets, a fries, and a you know, soda, a diet soda. And I thought that was the healthiest thing on the menu at the moment, because I'm looking at, okay, it's not bread, it's not a burger. Let me just eat a couple of Nuggets. Oh no, it was like 1,400 in total. I was like, oh. Most people have this experience. Losing weight works until it doesn't. Several studies have shown that many dieters will regain most or even all of their lost weight. In some cases, they'll even gain more weight. Between her mom's health issues and travel, Dani isn't calorie counting as much. She ends up gaining back the weight she lost. But Dani is trying to calorie count again, and is still a big fan of the approach. She helps manage a Facebook group where about 23,000 people gather to ask questions and trade tips. When her daughter gained some weight after having her first child, Dani recommended calorie counting. Her daughter lost nearly 20 pounds in a few months. When we talk, Dani runs me through the caloric value of precisely everything she has eaten that day. So today I, I haven't had lunch yet. 
though, but this morning I did have coffee. I had a Starbucks pumpkin pie creamer, and that was four, uh, two ounces, which ooh, that's a lot, but I'm, I'm minimizing little by little. And then I had the rest was in coffee. So coffee, zero calories. So just on my coffee alone, I had 160 calories because of the creamer. It's mostly the cream. It's all the cream. And then I had a little biscotti, like a little cookie biscotti, and that's that. That was 130 calories. So I just counted 130, 140, and that's it. We're on a Zoom call, so I can actually see Danny's app. And then right here on the very top, it shows it shows you my actual budget and what I had, and it it subtracts it. So for sure. the rest of the day, I have 940 calories. I asked Danny about the studies that have found calorie counts may not be so accurate. She doesn't seem too concerned. Even if the numbers aren't exactly right, the scale tells the truth at the end of the day. She also tells me that since her mother's illness and all that travel, she hasn't been as consistent with calorie counting as she would like. She's a little mad at herself about it but she's more resolute than ever to stick to her calorie goals and to lose more weight. I started getting back on track, but then there was days where, so I would track for about a week consistently and then mess up and then just, and then try again and then just mess up and then try again. It's just, it's that, since that point over, um, it's kind of been really hard for me to like consistently keep it up. And the stakes are higher now. I just found out that I have diabetes and it's in the starting stages and I have high cholesterol. And so I'm, I've really started thinking this seriously. To me, it felt like Danny had been misled by calories and weight loss in general. She'd used calorie counting to lose 12 pounds several years ago, but it hadn't been working very well for her since. She called calorie counting flexible but it didn't really seem to accommodate her actual life. Again, she's trying to eat 1,200 calories a day, which is very restrictive. Danny likes the precision that calorie counting seems to offer, but a very precise method that's hard to stick to isn't very precise at the end of the day. And Danny didn't blame the system or even calories for the problems she'd had. She blamed herself. So I'm thinking to myself, I really have to start doing what I'm supposed to, to lose the weight, start feeling better, and manage my health as best I can. And I know a lot of it has to do with my intake. If I'm not eating the right things, I'm not going to feel good. Danny's story isn't unique. It isn't even a modern story, really. People have been marketing super restrictive and even silly weight loss plans for a long time. I mean, the the classic story is that until the late 19th century, if you were a little bit plump, it was probably a sign, A, that you were healthy because you had enough to eat, and B, you were successful because you had enough to eat. And that just begins to drop off, and the fashion begins to emphasize slenderness. Dieting in the truly modern sense didn't take off until the 19th century, or around the time of the Industrial Revolution. And the real start of diet history begins even further back than that. From chewing your food a jillion times like Nancy Reagan, 
to keto and scammy weight loss pills, it turns out that diet history definitely repeats itself. So Jeanette says that after taking apple cider vinegar, she felt less bloated. This is a before and after on her. And Michelle says she saw a major improvement in her energy throughout the day. Fun fact, the poet Lord Byron was super into vinegar as a weight loss strategy too. Next time on Losing It, we take a trip back in time through diet history. First up, Renaissance Italy. My physicians declared there was but one remedy left for my ills. That remedy was the temperate and orderly life. Losing It is written and reported by me, Emma Court, and edited by Kristen B. Brown. Magnus Henriksen is our senior producer, Stacey Wong, our associate producer, and Blake Maples is our audio engineer. Our theme was composed and performed by Hannes Brown. Thanks to Francesca Levy and Tim Annette. Be sure to subscribe to Prognosis if you haven't already. And if you like our show, please leave us a review that helps others find out about it. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.